had a, a bunch of people at conferences this week, and so rather than kind of a normal message, what I would like to do is to have uh, some of those, including myself, share a little bit about what uh, we gathered at, this, uh, at these various conferences. And in, in the case of the youth group, it was a mission trip. And so I uh, would really like to ask Mark and Michelle to come up and, uh, and kind of speak to whatever, and if they've got any of the youth that uh, they would like to have share as well. Well, um, like we had said over the past couple weeks, we, uh, we went on a mission trip to um, Ashburn, North Carolina. Asheville, right? Asheville, North Carolina, and it was, um, yeah, you can tell she took care of all the logistics. <laughs> um, but we were at a, uh, a campsite called Ridgecrest, and, um, and it's, it's a site where they, they host a lot of these uh, groups that just come in churches, and they, they host them there, and then every day they'll send them out to different sites. And so my site was an orphanage that, um, and it was it was kind of an interesting story of how this orphanage was founded. You know, I guess a hundred years ago or whatever, uh, um, maybe a couple hundred, a, a missionary was just walking through the woods and he came across these kids who were just kind of raising themselves, and uh, and decided to plant this orphanage. And from from there, it's grown where it has its own high school now and it's got its own living facilities and um it's 90 acres worth of land that um that two groundskeepers have to take care of and the grounds um so when we first got there this groundskeeper comes and he tells us he's like yeah we don't he said this just when it this place would shut down if we did not have volunteers groups like y'all come and support this because they have you know an absurd amount of kids that they take in and that they raise and when they age out they're still able to go to the school and learn trades and that kind of thing so they um it's it's really cool because they they grow their own food and they have the kids work the gardens and do that kind of thing so um it's a really you know interesting interesting place so so we went around and we just helped them keep up the grounds sending at 144,000 hours volunteered I think uh, maybe last year of, of people that you know and that was how they were able to maintain it so we um, we went in there and we were I was able to chop wood so I was right at home pretty much the first day just chopping wood and um, and getting that ready for them and they'll take that and they'll give it to people who need it and um, use that as kind of a door to get in um, and minister um, and then we would just kind of take care of, uh, you know, I mean, he had an absurd amount of projects for us to do. So that was what I did with Nick, um, Mackenzie, Jessica, and Devin. They were in my group, and so we all went to that group. And I'll let Michelle just talk about what, you know, where she went, because I don't really know exactly entirely. Okay. Well, from what I understand, she and her group, yeah, they went to Asheville. That's where that came from. No, they went to a, uh, a neighborhood that a church had a, um, was constantly ministering to. And it's, uh, so that I guess that, you know, that kind of hit, hit home for us because, you know, we try to do that as well. But 
this this church tries to maintain a connection with this neighborhood, and so they pretty much just did Kids for Christ type stuff in there. And they were playing games with the kids. They'd bring the kids out, and they'd be kicking soccer ball, doing whatever. Um, and so they they were just ministering and loving on the kids um, in that neighborhood. And then we would come back after long day's work and um, eat dinner and then go to a great worship service and they had a speaker come and he would speak to all the um, all the youth and um, you know it's pretty much like its own little town that we stayed at so we after that we'd be able to go around and meet new people and um, you know they had a little ice cream shop that pretty much all 800 kids would congregate to and um, and we were the small group the next group that came was 1900 so or I mean yeah so it's, it was a, the volunteers there stay there for eight weeks straight. And like the mo we left at 11 that morning, that 1900 group came at one o'clock. So they had two hours to like get ready. And it's just, it's nonstop. And so the, the, the staff there really was awesome because the moment you get there, they're all dressed up and they're flipping out and they're banging on your car as you're driving up and you know, providing the energy for a um, pretty draining week that these kids experienced. So um, it was really cool to see all the college, you know, they're all college age, so it was cool to see that. But, um, but you know, this is kind of exactly what I think our group needed. You know, this was a year ago we got that money and we, um, you know, we were awarded that and, and just seeing just from the get-go from where Michelle said that she wanted to try to get a mission started or a uh, mission trip started, you know, get the works in that. And I was saying how I wanted to get incorporating videos into the youth more. You know, that week we got a card that said create a video to win money for your mi mission trip. You know, and it, I remember saying, well, probably going to win this because this is just too, you know, <laughs> too much a sign from God that we're going to do it. And, and so... Um, so it was really a, a kind of getting your feet wet into missions and into serving, and I think it was exactly what um, what our group needed, and um, and it was, you know, it can be sometimes hard to see um, how, you know, pulling up weeds and digging up rocks and chopping wood is really presenting the gospel. Um, you know, in terms of what you would think, you know, sometimes when you say mission trip, you think traveling through the woods and coming across an unreached people and seeing them all saved or whatever. But it's it's like I was able to to kind of explain how you know we help maintain this place, and if it wasn't for groups like us, then this orphanage would shut down, and this place would, you know, the, these kids would not be reached. And same thing with. The, the neighborhood, you know, they this church maintains their connection, and we're helping them maintain their relationships so that they can be the ones to present the gospel and and um, and see the the salvations and really, you know, the the meaty stuff. It's like we're just kind of moving the ball down the field for the touchdown to happen. So um, so that was really it was really good, and I know I saw in each and every one of them, you know, there were commitments made and there were um you know real real deep changes made in in a lot of the youth and and I hope and I believe that in all of them it's going to be kind of a milestone um in their faith journey <laughs>
So with that, I was going to invite the youth up to uh, anybody who wants to share anything that that they uh, they experience. Just be very careful, because if you ever go your time, people will shout at you. Wait, shout? What? <sighs> Thank you, Monk, for saying everything that I'm going to forget, but I actually forgot everything. Uh, <laughs> I am not good on stage, but... Um, I was uh, with Michelle, and we had, like, a bunch of kids. Like, it was like uh, Sedgefield, but a little run down. <laughs> but um, we um, knocked on the doors, and they just came out, and we just had fun with them. Uh, it was me, Michelle, uh, Jasmine, Adriana, and Rayanne, who was in the group. And it was just fun. But um, at the concert, I made a, a vow uh, that I will follow Jesus, and it was a great vow that um, the person upstage said that uh, stand up uh, if you're going to follow Jesus and stop all your habits, all your bad habits and everything. And I stood up, and actually one thing I noticed is that I stopped one bad habit, and that bad habit is listening to bad music, which like Eminem, Lil Wayne, all that stuff that had all the uh, bad language and all that stuff. I just wanted to say that, and... That's it. I can't say any more. I don't like being on stage. It's <laughs> only a couple youth. The conference was, you know, the theme of all of this was alive and free, and so these are the t-shirts that we were able to get, and it was a very clear kind of gospel, you know, message that goes along with what Preston was saying, you know, it was calling you to be free from, from the, um, you know, the free from your own kind of fleshly desires and to live as servants and children of God, so. Devin and Dick, anybody? All right. Well, thank you all for your prayers and for your support and everything, and we're glad to be back. <laughs> thank you, Mark <clears throat> and Michelle. It's um, it's great to hear that things went so well and uh, that the kids really had a, a good experience on the first trip. So we're glad you're back too. Um, this past week in Columbus, Ohio was, as I mentioned last week, was uh, the Vineyard Movement's annual conference, or excuse me, biannual conference. It's the national conference is every two years. And this year was a bit different than past conferences in that uh, they had invited the world, essentially. And so there were people uh, attending this conference from uh, over 60 different countries. Uh, so it was uh, a pretty amazing experience, and I'm going to ask John if he'll come up here and, and share his thoughts uh, on uh, how it went and what he got out of it, and then I'll be uh, sharing mine. I'm scared of this thing. How y'all doing this morning? Um, can you imagine walking into a church auditorium that seats 4,000? No. Okay. 
Vineyard Columbus is a large vineyard church. It's, I think it's the largest one in the nation. Um, I think it's around 8,000 people attend. Okay, I, yeah, I can come up, George. You don't have to turn it up and squeal. Um, so the, you know, the mood is you walk in, there's a sea of people. This conference was sold out, by the way, so there were no walk-ins. Um, but a sea of people worshiping the Father and the Spirit definitely descending on it. Um, as Jeff said, 40 different nations, I mean 60 different nations, um, roughly 4,000 people. The theme, though, was inclusion. The theme was we are one family under God or in God. Doesn't matter who we are, where we came from, what our nationality, what our ethnicity is, we should be celebrating the differences. Couple of points they made that hit me um, is that Jesus was radically inclusive in his ministry. And I haven't had a chance to go back and dig through it, but remembering what I do about the gospel, I see no place that Jesus excluded someone who wanted to be included. Um, the second point they brought up was, you know, the vineyard distinctives. And there are a number of things that the vineyard believes that other denominations don't necessarily embrace. One is that everyone gets to play. It's, you know, it's an even playing field. Just because someone's set aside as pastor doesn't mean they have any special gifts of the Spirit. The same Spirit that was on Jesus is on everyone. And we can all do the things Jesus did. But then they brought out um, this concept of building a house without walls. Jesus came to tear down barriers, and what they were doing was using walls. Um, the concept of walls is barriers. Now, it was really interesting because the person who brought up this point started off with the story of Humpty Dumpty. And has everyone heard Humpty Dumpty? You know, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again. And everyone thinks the point of the story is Humpty Dumpty, right? But this guy's point is the story is not about Humpty Dumpty. It's about all the king's soldiers and all the king's men. And then he went to, why was Humpty Dumpty on a wall? Why was there a wall anyway? Okay, if we are one kingdom, if the king has all these horsemen and all these men and we're in one kingdom, why is there a wall? Because walls are boundaries and they're set to keep people out or people away, right? Within the church of God, we should not have that. So he made another point. And this one rattled me for a bit. And it's probably going to put me in a course of thinking for a long time. But what he said was, if you can take any marker or any distinctive, any identity thing at all, and use it as a comparison to what someone else is or isn't, you're building a wall. Comparisons are divisional. So when you look at someone else, whether it be another person, another denomination, another church, another faith, whatever it is, if you look at it and say, I have this and they don't, taking an identity and comparing it, comparing them to it, you're building a wall. Walls should not exist within the body of Christ, right? 
we should be, it should be radically inclusive as Christ was radically inclusive. Having distinctives is good. As long as you bring your distinctives to the table as a gift for everyone, and you offer to include everyone in them. And if people choose not to take them, that's not divisional. It's just they may not have been wired by God for that particular thing you're bringing. That's okay. Celebrate what they are and who they are. Don't compare them to what we know or what we see, what we think, because that's divisional. Everyone tracking with that? Can I get off that soapbox? <laughs> anyway, that hit me as a, as a big thing. Um, the other thing, they had, and you're probably going to want to talk to them about Wednesday night too, but um, <laughs> they had the Vineyard Olympics, and they brought up the national managers, the national leaders from every area of the planet that had them there, um, and had a contest. Now, you would think if this is a church movement, this would be a highly spiritual contest. So, step one, they gave everyone numbers. So, they gave two of each number out. So, there were two number ones, two number twos, two number threes, and so on. And they call up the two number ones. This is the first round of the Olympics. The game was stare at each other, and the first one that laughs or blinks is eliminated. Where else but the vineyard? The second one was a race across the stage to put on a Hawaiian shirt and take a selfie of yourself and run back. And they did it in two teams. So one would run, take the selfie, come back, the next would run. And the team that won got to go on to the, th the third step, which was a rice eating contest. They put a scoop of rice on a plate taped the plate to the table in front of you and you could not use your hands. So these are the national leaders doing the face dive into the rice bowl. The two from there, the two finalists there got to go on to the last, which was a grape squishing contest. Now that might fit for the vineyard, but they actually put barrels full of grapes and let them dance in the barrels. And the one that created the most juice was the national Olympic champion for the vineyard. And what's the point? It's okay to have fun in the kingdom. It really is. We don't have to be, you know, solemn. Piety does not mean solemn. But that's another thing that got me. A lot of times we look at church and think it's supposed to be down and serious. Nah. God intended us to have fun, right? So can, the challenge that I'm taking away is can we have fun? Can we be up? celebrate our distinctives, bring them to the table, bring the Holy Spirit to bear on every place we go so that all heaven breaks loose as we go. Not be divisional, not be confrontational, and not look down our nose at someone who doesn't understand it as we do. Because God has given every one of the pieces of his body a different gifting. Just because ours seems to be, in our minds, better, doesn't mean it is. So we should embrace and celebrate everybody. The other comment that was made, and I'll close with this one. Um, 
This was a gentleman who had, and I'll, I'll say it, he was, it was a black gentleman who had been working in a black church, and he went to work for Columbus Vineyard. And he was told when he met one of his fellow pastors, you know, a question why he had left the black church and gone to the vineyard. And the person said, why'd you go to the white man's church? And he said, I went to the church of Jesus. If you can take anything and put it above your identity as a son or daughter in God, it's an idol. And he said that's part of the inclusivity. Jesus was radically inclusive. We need to be radically inclusive. So if we can look at anything and put it above our sonship or daughtership in the kingdom of God, we need to tear it down. We need to look at ourselves as daughters and sons of the kingdom first, and everything else is below that. Because it's in Jesus we are all united, and there's no division. There's nothing wrong with having a distinctive. There's nothing wrong with having a difference in your identity. Celebrate it. Celebrate it in you. Celebrate it in others. Just don't use it as division. And that's what I took away from the conference. Um, I'll give it back to Jeff. Like I said earlier, this was a historic event in that uh, they had invited. Normally, it's just each each area uh, has its own conference, and so it was historic in the sense that this was the first time that all of these various countries had gotten together uh, in in one one place. And uh, obviously, we we worshipped in a variety of languages. We sang in German. We sang in Portuguese. We sang in um, Spanish. I think French, uh, yeah, Nepalese or Nepali or whatever. So, uh, and that was just really, really pretty cool. And they would have the words up there, and so uh, often didn't really know what you were singing, but the, <laughs> it was still, it was still really, really interesting. And so, uh, you know, some of the highlights for me, uh, first of all, was to really just seeing the Columbus Vineyard. Um, you know, if you can sort of imagine. As John said, the sanctuary holds something like 3,800 people. So that's in the middle. If you're looking, if you're standing out in the parking lot looking, it's in the middle. To the right is a four-story administrative building. To the left is a community center that they've built that I, someone told me has at a minimum six full-size basketball courts in it, among other things. So, I mean, it's massive. Um, and so that's really... I know they have a, a medical clinic, a dental clinic, they have a food bank, all those kinds of things. Pretty much anything, any way of reaching out to the community, they have incorporated in their church. And so it's pretty amazing to see. Um, <clears throat> I thought, um, <laughs> the fr honestly, the first thing that struck me when, I, when we, we dr were driving in, that there were more people parking cars than we have on a Sunday morning. And I'm not exaggerating, am I? No. No, I mean, it was, it was an army of people parking cars. And it was just like, whoa. Um, and, and their whole volunteer staff was just amazing. 
um, just very, very willing to serve, very, very enthusiastic about serving. Uh, and so that just really made an impression on me. I think probably the biggest, uh, the thing that was uh, most notable for me, and as you know, John sort of has indicated this, it was like hearing my doctoral paper read back to me at every session we went to. Um, it was just really interesting. This whole idea of diversity amidst unity was a theme when one session. Um, <clears throat> the idea of cultural interaction and the fact that there will be times when we make mistakes. You know, if we're talking with someone who is of another culture, we don't always understand all of the um, idiosyncrasies of a particular culture. And so you might say something or do something that is not, you know, considered appropriate in that culture or whatever. And so it's important that we be very quick to ask for forgiveness and, you know, to do everything humbly. Because if that's the case, then everything's ultimately going to be okay. Um, even though we may slip and fall occasionally. Um, one of the speakers gets up and starts talking about uh, perichoresis, which was a, a term, it's a Greek term, and it means, it was first, I think, used by St. John of the Cross, one of the early church fathers. And it's this idea of, it's a description of the Trinity, really. And it's about the three sort of dancing around one another in, in, in unity. And um, he said that, and I thought, wait a minute, I know that word. And, you know, sure enough, I, it's right there in the Trinity section of, of what I've been writing. So uh, the whole idea there was as an example of unity. Um, they talked about this need to actually talk about issues of race, you know, and, and something that we have done here. You know, we had that evening and we're gonna do more of it because I know there were a number of you that were, you know, very enthusiastic as we did that uh, and that felt like this was a very, very valuable exercise and something that we needed to do more of. And so, um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely be doing that. The uh, point that John made uh, about the uh, gentleman who was confronted by a, uh, it was, he was black, went to work as a pastor in the vineyard, was confronted by a fellow black pastor who said, you know, why are you going to the white man's church? We need educated brothers like you back in the black church. And then you heard, you know, what John, or how he related to that. And the idea, <clears throat> he kind of tied that into the idea of sacrifice for something that you believe in sacrificing for a greater goal, which once again is something we've talked about here, right? You know, in terms of music, perhaps, on a Sunday morning, if we were to uh, suddenly begin to have part of our worship include uh, Portuguese, I'm willing to bet that's not gonna make all of you just thrilled to death. But the thing is, we need to be willing to sacrifice some of what we desire, some of our wants, in the, uh, with the attitude that if we have some Portuguese brothers and sisters who are part of this body, they need to be able to worship as well. And so we sacrifice some of what we want so that they feel welcome and that they can worship in their own language. Um, 
And so that, that whole idea of sacrifice for a greater goal. And then what was really amazing was after this gentleman spoke, his name was Dr. Charles, and I can't think of his last name. Do you remember the Thursday morning speaker? It, it's not really critical that, we, that you know that. But uh, he basically brought the house down uh, with his preaching. And it was an amazing moment. And uh, the uh, <clears throat> national leader for uh, Germany was supposed to come up and speak after him. And he, to his credit, sensed that the Holy Spirit was doing something in that moment. And it <clears throat> from that began <clears throat> uh, a time of repentance and seeking forgiveness. And so uh, our national director brought up the national director for, um, it was Kenya or Ghana, I can't think of which country it was, but essentially apologized for slavery and ask for forgiveness. And I mean, so there was, there was a lot of this going on as different nations asked for forgiveness from other nations for atrocities or things that had been committed to them or against them or whatever the case may be. The one that actually surprised me was when one of the leaders from one of the African nations stood up and asked for forgiveness from, the, uh, from our the U.S. national director. And he did so because he said that, and I don't think he was saying they had ever done this personally, but he was definitely aware of the fact that any number of uh, churches and ministries over in Africa manufacture crises and manufacture needs so as to get money from American churches. And um, I mean, I had no idea that, you know, that was the, the case, but he clearly was aware that that kind of thing was going on. And so he really apologized there. Um, it was kind of funny that the Mexican leader apologized for referring to us as gringos and telling <laughs> jokes. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, when you start to hear that this goes a number of different ways, right? You know, it's, it's as, as has been said many times, it's just about being different. It's not about how you're different. That's almost secondary. It's just if you're different than me, then I'm going to find some way to belittle you or to make you somehow less than I am and so forth. And, and you know, just as a as sort of a, a stereotype of what bias and racism really looks like. And so it was just, it was kind of fascinating um, to see all that happening. And it truly was a holy moment. Uh, it was just really, really powerful. And then finally, I guess the, the, the part that I was the most excited about <clears throat> was that, uh, as you know, we have started this partnership to plant churches in the country of Burkina Faso. <clears throat> and that's where Joseph is, uh, is located. And uh, the very last day that Jim Bleakley, who's the pastor of the Charlottesville Vineyard, and I were in country last October, we learned that there, was, there were other vineyard churches that had already been planted in Burkina. We're like, really? Well, 
this is what happens when you have a decentralized organization, right? You know, the Europeans are doing one thing and we're doing something and the two aren't really communicating or there's no international database that you can go to to look. So um, we've, we had begun a dialogue and it's, it was a vineyard out of Bern, Switzerland, uh, is who was really leading this and had planted two churches uh, in Burkina. <clears throat> well, the folks from the Bern vineyard were there at the conference. Several of the two of the pastors from Burkina were at the conference. Uh, another gentleman who has an NGO or a non-governmental organization that provides aid into countries like Haiti and Burkina and places like that was there. Uh, and we all got together um, at lunch and for about two hours had a conversation. And at the end of it, decided that we were in fact going to form an international partnership to further the work uh, of Jesus in the land of Burkina Faso or in the country of Burkina Faso. And so uh, to me, that's exactly what I had hoped would happen because to have two different groups sort of working you know, in the same place, not that that is necessarily a problem, but it certainly isn't as efficient as it could possibly be done. And so we're going to continue to communicate with one another. Um, you know, once again, it's sort of like the Europeans speak French, they speak German, they speak English, and you're kind of sitting there going, I wish I'd paid more attention in high school. <laughs> um, however, they do have an opportunity to use those languages a bit more than we do here, right? You know, it's, um, I could go, you know, probably the equivalent of several countries in Africa uh, or, or Europe and, um, you know, maybe over to Ohio or Illinois or Montana and they're still speaking the same language and that, that doesn't necessarily happen over there, right? So there is a little bit more, you know, opportunity to use your language skills. Um, so that to me was very exciting. And what we are hoping to do, and I don't have any dates for this yet because it's just been discussed a week ago, but what we would like to do is to have all of the partners join together for a mission trip in country to do something and, and do it together. So people from the church in Bern, people from Charlottesville, hopefully people from here would all be over there at the same time and have a chance to really do something uh, for, you know, to help Joseph or to help these other pastors and, and uh, so forth. The one pastor's name was, uh, I, was, I found really interesting, was Pastor Isa. And if you know Arabic, Isa is Jesus um, in Arabic. So anyway, that's sort of, uh, sort of my report from the, uh, the conference. And the last thing that I, I wanted to share today um, was something that, that I got in my prayer time this morning. And um, this is definitely for, I think it's for me, but I think it's also for our church. And so it's, it's, I just wanted to share this uh, so that you can be watching for it as I will watch for it. But this is what I sense God say to me and I was writing it down. He said, prepare yourself for much is coming. I will be with you. It will not look like you expect it to look but it will be me. Be willing to step into it and embrace it. It's pretty mysterious, isn't it? 
Um, but that's how God speaks to us so often. We'll, you know, just that little bit that he wants us to know in the now to continue to move forward. Um, but that whole, you know, that, that phrase about it's not going to look like you expect it to look was really what sort of was intriguing to me. So uh, I'm pretty excited. I think that's going to be, uh, be very cool.